you if some people could help me maybe like if you, Anna can you pass that section Claire can you pass out that section I got way more than we need but that just means there's room for you to bring a friend if you'd like uh, next week to the Christmas party and then we can invite them back to continue through Philippians with us um, I'm going to start with the question, but while we're getting these handouts all handed out, let me just uh, give you some details surrounding Mission Philippians. Surrounding Mission Focus. Mission Focus. We are going to have a few different guys come and preach. It's going to be a really great time in those morning sessions on the 28th, the morning of the 28th. Uh, there's going to be, you know, breakfast and then kind of a, a game together with the other churches that show up from around the country and um, really, I mean, kind of around the world. Like these other youth are going to show up to this youth session and then there's going to be praise and worship and then Uriah Ginther is going to come. He's going to preach and, um, you know, you can expect that part of his preaching is good, like the theme you might say, is going to be a call to action. Like, let's go take some territory next semester, right? And then after that, uh, my buddy Steve Summit, who, who works for First Priority, is going to, he's going to lay out First Priority. And I'm going, to, I'm going to try to keep talking about it. I'm going to try to keep pushing it because he, has, he works for this organization that facilitates students doing something very simple. Having this club where the curriculum is set, the, the students that do this, they literally, they have a workbook and they, they, you know, they should prepare so they know what they're going to say. But then they get up and they read about Jesus and people will just show up and we bring pizza and it's just a very simple tool to get into your school to start a, a time, a gathering where students can hear about Jesus. And I'm going to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it until you say, hey, Jeff, I might be interested in starting that in my school. And then I will make it happen, bro. We'll do it. We'll, get in, we'll be in there by next semester. Okay. So he's going to come and he's going to lay that out. And then the next day, uh, Pastor Kenny is going to come and he's going to preach. And then after that, we're actually going to practice leading first priority clubs. So you might not start one, but you're going to know how. You're going to know how to do it, and it's going to be easy, it's simple, it'll be fun, and I think it'll be helpful for how do you have conversations about the gospel with people, especially that you don't know. And then the last uh, morning, Josh is going to preach, and so that's going to be a great, great time. Any questions about Mission Focus? It'd be really awesome if you could all be there. I mean, I'm telling you, if, if you can be there, what I really am hoping for is next semester, we... Josiah said last year, let me back up. Josiah said last year, what he would like for this year is to build some things, build some ministry that he can leave for the group when he's gone. Something, he said it better than that. But to build some stuff that he can leave so that it's not just a flurry of activity and then he's gone and then there's nothing. But to actually build some, some, some type of pillars so that when the senior class is gone then you who remain and the, the new freshmen can come in and there's some ministry to do. There's some structures by which they can plug into and they can see fruit. Like they can be used by God. First priority, I believe, is a part of that. That's just what I'm, I, I'm thinking. So, that'll be the focus of Mission Focus, is the mission. Using a key tool, which is first priority. So, uh, just something to think about. Okay, let's get into Philippians. I want to start with a question. A simple question, but I want you to be reflective. Write down your thoughts here. What do you want in your church experience? You can probably only think maybe a, you know in the next couple years or so, but what do you want? I'm not challenging you. I just honest, I want you to be honest for a moment. What, what do you want? Like you're here this morning. I don't know if you knew that. You're here this morning. What do you want? <laughs> Why are you here? Okay, so here's some things. Maybe you want to personally win souls and make disciples. Maybe you see the vision. You see what happens. You see what this church is about. You see that and you're like, I want to do that. I know that I may not be able to do it like, it's, like I see it being done, but that's what I would like to do one day. Okay, cool. Maybe it's that you want to get healing from God. Why are you here? Is it because you have a hurt and you're hoping that God will heal that hurt? That God will make you not hurt? Mind the way, by the way, 
No? Okay. Maybe it's to make good friends. It's a good reason to be here. Maybe you're here because you know that the people here are going to be good people for you to be around. And you may not be best friends with them, but you're glad you're friends with them. Or maybe you're here because you don't have friends. And you need some friends. Okay, cool. Maybe you're here to receive God's blessing. Maybe you're here for nothing. Maybe you don't know why you're here. Maybe because you feel like you have to be here, you're just kind of going through the motions, right? We're glad you're here. I don't want to scare you away. But I don't know. Why are you here? Did you write it down? All right. Now say it out loud. No, I'm just kidding. You can. Does anybody want to share? Maybe we could identify where some people are at. Why are you here? What do you want? What are you aiming at? Anybody? What you got, Ari? For me, like accountability to make sure that I'm still in the Yeah. It's a good reason to be here. It's a good reason to be part. What else? Claire? Um, to bring somebody else into the church and have a similar experience to what I had, like to actually see change. Yeah. Yeah, so you saw change and you want someone else to, you want to be able to bring somebody else in that, yeah. It's great. Who would say, yeah, I think I'm here, I'm here for the friendship. I mean, that spiritual stuff is good. Like you would acknowledge, yeah, that's a good thing. That's not maybe where I'm thinking, focusing right now. I'm here because my friends are here. That's a good reason to be here, by the way. How many of you would say that's it? You just want some people that you can like do some life with. Yeah, okay. Some sneaky hints for like. <laughs> okay, what about how many of you would would say, I don't know why I'm here? How many of you would be that honest? I don't really know why. I'm still figuring it out. That's a good answer too. Eh. Come on, be bold, be humble, be honest. Who would say, not sure, just here? I like it sometimes. Kinda. Yeah, figuring it out. All right, so Paul in Philippians chapter 2, where we're going to be, so you might grab your Bible, you might get Philippians 2 ready. What Paul is doing here at the beginning of the chapter is he's addressing these Philippians with some instructions that are related to the disjointedness of their local church. Okay, so there were some schisms. Here is a, here's a word, some scuffles. Everybody say scuffle. There was, say, schisms and scuffles. <laughs> Sounds like a Harry Potter snack or something. There were some schisms and scuffles happening that Paul wanted to be sure to snuff out. He wanted to, he wanted to extinguish these divisions, and so he's giving some, uh, some instructions. Uh, even while, this is important, the context of his letter, even while he was in, imprisoned. Right? He's writing this letter from prison, and yet he's writing about disunity. Why? Well, because of your first key point. Because the unity of the Spirit is mission critical. We saw in chapter 1 that, that Paul's life was pretty sold out, devoted, given to the gospel going further. That's what he wanted. He wanted the gospel to go forth. He wanted people to hear the gospel, to receive the gospel, to be changed by the gospel. And now in chapter 2, he's talking about... Unity? There's some ladies in the church here that we'll reference later on in the book that are, there's like some squabbles. Okay, so say schisms, scuffles, and squabbles. Say that. Scuffles and squabbles, yeah. And he's addressing it. Why? Because that's mission critical. If the gospel is going to go forth, if we're going to be used by God, we will find this morning that unity, the unity of the Spirit is necessary. It's critical. So in his address here in chapter 2, we are also going to, from that, we're going to pull some, some very practical applications regarding our unity and regarding us being used, growing and being used by God. I hope that at some level you want God to use you. And if you don't, let me just cast some vision for you. If you don't know why you're here, or maybe you've set the bar too low, you're like, I just want to be here because, you know, because there's some nice people here, because the Medlins bring really great donuts. Okay, you're setting the bar too low. Let me set it really high for you. 
Let me set it where the Bible sets it. Let me just charge you with something that God wants you to be part of that will change your life and that will, that will not only bring Him glory out of your life, but it's going to benefit and bless you. Listen, hey, what God wants is for you to grow and then be used by Him. He wants you to be a minister of reconciliation. He wants you to be able to go into your school and like so many of the students who have just recently graduated, the students who graduated last year, I hear this, I hear this pretty frequently. They say, man, I wish I would have just not cared in high school like I don't care now about what people think about me. I wish I could have gotten over that earlier. Like, I could have just gone into the school and just started asking and prompting and trying to win souls. I wish I would have had that mentality then. Okay, you, you'll probably feel that way as soon as you leave high school. Because you're growing through that. God wants you to grow through that and get to that place where you're like, send me. I'll go. I'll speak up in front of my whole college, university class. Whoa. Right? That's what God wants to use you to do. Okay, so there's some practical applications for how we'll get to that place. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Let's talk about these things here. If there, if there uh, be any consolation in Christ. This just simply means comfort in Christ. So Paul's in prison. He's like, hey, if you're going to comfort me, if you're going to comfort me with Christ. And he's going to give us some instructions in verse 2 that we'll get to. But he's asking for some consolation, some comfort in Christ. We want to be able to offer some comfort to people in Christ as the body of Christ. Okay? But then it says, if any comfort of love. So what's the difference? Well, comfort, that word comfort is a unique word. Uh, as it's the, the, the Greek word that this word is translated from, okay, as a unique word that specifically relates to speaking to a, an address. So it's comfort from loving words being spoken. Okay, so he's like, hey, if you're going to comfort me with Christ as the body, if you're going to comfort me with some words, if there's, you know, if any fellowship of the Spirit, what is that talking about? It's talking about communion. Having a communion, having the same spiritual connection. It's like if you're gonna have if you're gonna have some fellowship in the spirit, if you, if any bowels and mercies, bowels are these inward affections, it's like this deepest part of a person and, and the, the affection that that, that 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 exists in there for someone. Right? A deep and genuine yearning and love. Mercy's compassion. Right? So, he says, if you're going to comfort me as the body, if you're going to speak some loving words to me, if you're going to have some communion with me, if you're going to have some genuine affection and love that's really in there, and if you're going to have compassion on me and on my situation, and you can apply that, if you're going to have any of these things for anyone else ever, Anyone else out there, if you're ever going to be used by God to do these things, if we want to comfort people with Christ as the body of Christ, if we want to speak loving, comforting words to people who are hurting, which I believe some of you want to do that, don't you want to be the one that has the answer that can comfort somebody? Who can make them feel better? If we want to share deep spiritual unity together and with the body of Christ, if we want to have genuine compassion and internal affection and yearning for souls, don't you want to be a person who weeps for souls? Don't you want to have that in there? And oftentimes, I feel like, oh, where's that at? Is that in there? Is it, like, do I have those bowels? Do I have the mercies in there? Do I have the compassion on the lost that I know I should have? Where is that at? Right? Do you want that? I want that. I want to water. I want to, I want to sow. I want to plant. I want to sow in tears. Right? I want to pray. And I want to preach the gospel. And I want to water that seed with my tears. Weeping. Because the Bible says that if you do that, if you sow in tears, that you'll reap with what? Joy. Joy. Why? 
Because that prayer gets answered. So I'm going to continue to weep for the souls that I'm aware of, that God puts on my heart, and I'm just going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep inviting, and I'm going to keep preaching, and I'm going to keep weeping. And I don't know when I'm going to reap with joy. But I'm just trusting God that I will. That God will make the gospel clear to those people. Don't you want that? I want that. Okay, if we want this kind of maturity, then, verse 2, he says this. This is how. This is what you got to start with. This is what you do. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So what does like-minded mean? Like-minded, you got to be like-minded. That means you believe the same things. You have a similar mind. Okay? So what do we believe? What are the things that we are supposed to believe together? Well, you should believe the gospel. And if you believe the gospel, you should preach it together. If you believe it together, preach it together. Right? What else should we believe? Well, we should believe the Word of God. Right? We should believe the Word of God, so let's study it together. Hey, these Bible studies, nothing is mandatory. All right? Like, like, what is mandatory in church? I mean, we're not a cult. So we're not calling you up, right, when we notice you're not here on a Sunday. If you miss a Sunday, we might text you and ask, like, hey, where you at? But we're not like, you had better hope I don't find you. You're in trouble. You missed Sunday. You missed Bible study. You're, you're not saved anymore. Right? We're not doing that. Because that's, that's wild. <laughs> okay, but do we believe the Word? If we believe the Word, let's study it together. Show up the Bible study. Let's get in it together. Let's, let's study. Let's have that active brain... Energy happening collectively, cooperatively. Let's do that. If you don't come to Bible study, come to Bible study. You're invited formally. What else do we believe? We believe the faithfulness of God. Is God faithful? If God is faithful and if we believe them, if we believe that, then let's talk about it together. Let's share testimony. Let's let our conversation not just be about surface level things that don't matter. And fine, there's a place for that. I, I would love to talk about fishing, and I enjoy talking about football. But eventually, those things just kind of get, like, tiresome. Like, I, don't really, I mean, like, it's maybe a good entry point into having a conversation, but there's no substance there, right? Like what? Football. Okay, the guy's either going to win or he's going to lose. And guess what? It literally doesn't matter. Okay, fishing. Fishing's a little more important than football. Okay. But really, I mean, it's, it's enjoyable. I love to do it. I love to talk about how to do it. Let's go fishing together. Sure. But if we go fishing together, it's more than likely that we're not going to talk about fishing the whole time. Why? Because there's just nothing there. We're going to have to start talking about something of value. Or we will find ourselves, as many people find themselves, in a conversation with nothing to talk about. I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what to talk about. This is kind of awkward. Why don't you talk about the faithfulness of God? Why don't you talk about the Lord? Why don't you talk about your salvation? Why don't you talk about these things? Well, because it'd be weird. More weird than not having anything to talk about? I mean, bro, you're in an awkward situation and you're afraid of an awkward situation? Just be bold, man. Maturity, I'll just tell you, Mature people are unafraid to just talk about the faithfulness of God, how God has been good to them, to talk about the blessings of God in their life, and to share that with others. That's a good thing. That's what it would be to be like-minded. Having the same love. Well, having the same love is loving the same things, right? Okay, so what do we love? Well, here's some things you should love. Man, love the Word of God. Develop a love for the Word of God, by spending time with it, by studying it, oh, together, right? By, by reading it and studying it by yourself. Fall in love with the Word of God. It's really easy to do. Truly. I, I, would, I would guess that it takes two weeks. Okay? I would say two weeks. If you will, consistently, regularly, if you build a routine and you decide, okay, every morning for two weeks, I'm going to read, I'm going to study, and therefore, I'm going to journal 
for two weeks, you will, you will begin to have a budding and a growing love for the Word of God. You have a lot of questions probably. Praise the Lord. But it'll, it'll open your mind. You'll be like, wow, this says this. God means this. And if you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to study the Bible, well, ask somebody. Let's, like, there's, literally, there are tools and there are techniques to studying the Bible that anybody can do. Like children can do them. Little, like little children. You can do it. If you just got to get some instructions and it will blow your mind. You'll want to carry your Bible around and write notes in it everywhere you go. Bring it to work. Bring it to school. Bring it to church. Bring it to family events. Bring it to whatever. You say, that's weird. Okay, sure. I know this. Joy Ryan, student in Kaya, who's also in the high school class, she was just like you. Quiet, awkward, but lovely. I mean, a great, great Student, just like literally everybody in here. And she had a heart. She wanted to be used by God. And so she began doing some of the things that we'll go through. She just started serving. She started loving. She started driving people around. She'd go give people rides. I mean, it was like the little things. She would start doing them. And now she's in a UMKC Bible study. And now she just led some girl to Christ through through UMKC, their Bible study. And now that girl goes to the UMKC Bible study. And now not only is that girl growing to be part of their little fellowship there, not only that, but she, that girl, is carrying her Bible around to all these different events and family events. And her family is like, why are you carrying your Bible around? Do you think that feels good or bad? Good. Probably both. It's probably a little bit of, uh, uh, uh. well, because. But then there's an open door, so let me, let me tell you why. Right? Let's be a little bit weird. Let's love the Word of God. Let's love the person of God. Who is God? He's a person. Well, who is He? What's He like? Find out in His Word. And you'll fall in love with Him. He's wonderful. God is... God is... God is... Here's some things that I love the most about God. God is patient. God's long-suffering. And God is generous. God's generous. God is, um, what's the word for it? I guess those words kind of articulate the thought is, the thought is, like, I really want to be used by God, but I suck. <laughs> Anybody else suck? Okay, I really want to be used by God, but I suck. Like, I am the problem. Okay, so in terms of ministry, if I want to do ministry, there's one problem. Me. I am the problem. And yet, God still, because He wants to use me in ministry, wants me, He wants to use me in like Grandview High School to go and try to win souls. If I'll just say, God, please, please, I know I get in the way, but I believe that you're even bigger than me and that you can use me despite me. And then He, and then he does. That's a wonderful thing. It's a humbling thing. Like, wow, I'm, I, I do suck, but, but God is so great that it doesn't matter how much I suck. I could suck even more and He would still use me. Praise the Lord. Right? God is really, really good. All the time. Yeah. So we love the same things. We love the Son of God. We love God. We love His Word. One accord. What does that mean? Well, one accord is like having our souls knit together. Okay? So we ought to be of one accord. If we want to be used by God, we've got we to be of one accord. And that means that the... the, 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 the deepest part of who we are is knit to one another. The things that are most important to us, the things that are most important to me, are the same things that are most important to Ethan, and the same things that are most important to Josiah, and Dylan, and Manning, and Chris, and Wyatt, and Judah, and Jace, and Jamie, and Isaac, and I, Allah's awake now. Here we go. And Brock and Manning and then all the other girls, okay? Like, <laughs> we want the things that are most important to us to be mutual, to be the same, so that I know that whatever happens in my life, I know what's most important and I know that you'll support what's most important and we have a commonality, a common union. Does that make sense? i got to have that. If I want to be used by God, i got to have a team. 
And then one mind. We think the same things. What, I mean, think about your thought life. Think about your thought life. That's being conscientious. Think about your thought life. You want a fancy word? If you're a nerd, here's a fancy word for you. That's called metacognition. Hello. You're thinking about your thinking. Okay, but think about your thought life. What do we think? We ought to think the same things. We ought to think about truth. That ought to be in our mind, in our brain. We ought to think about honesty. Right? Forget about, forget about the opposites of all of these. They're just a waste of time. Truth. Why would we think about lies? Right? Honesty. Deception. Who's got time for that? Justice. Right? Being unfair. Being a bully. Purity. Being vile. Corrupt. Love. Thinking about hatred. Being against people. No thanks. How about good reports? How about we think about the things that are good? Oh, God is using so-and-so. Oh, at the Spanish service last night, they had multiple salvations. There was over 150 people there. That ought to be something that gets you excited. Not, oh, did you hear what she said about her? Oh, did you hear that? The latest thing that was this person did this thing? Did you hear what that guy's parent did? Oh, my goodness. Dude, would you... Ah, right? If those thoughts come in, they ought to have an open back door that they can slide right on out because we don't have time for that. Because that's not going to be what God uses us to be used in the lives of others for. God, like, God's not interested in that. Virtue, doing what's right versus doing what's wrong. Praise versus tearing people down. Doctrine versus just empty vanity. Like, I love Instagram reels, okay? Let me just be honest here. Anytime I sit down to go to the bathroom, that's what I do. What else are you supposed to do? Exactly. No, we got nothing. Okay. So the empty, the vanity. Now listen, if you send me a bunch of reels, okay, I'm not a good Instagram user. I'm not going to likely watch them. All right, but I'm going to send you about 100. And I don't mind if you don't watch them. It's really okay. Like, hey, you know what? I'm just, I just I thought of you, so I sent it. I'm not starting a conversation. It's just an empty thought. It's just a thought that was just fleeting and whatever. Okay, Ignore it. If I ever send you messages, you can ignore it, unless it's a direct message and it's not a real. If it's like a real message, well, answer me, please. Okay, But if it's just a thing, dude, whatever. But how about doctrine? How about what we believe about God. How about like some of the truths in God's Word? Is that ever a thought? That ought to be. Let's think about those things. Let's talk about those things. Ministry. That's a good thing to think about. To not forget. To not neglect. Right? Here's your key point. If you want to be used by God, one of the first things you must build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, which is your salvation, okay? You get saved. That's your foundation. Now, one of the first things that you've got to build on that thing as you build your life in an effort to honor Christ, one of the first things is the unity of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit. So get to work building that unity and chemistry with the team. If you go to Kaya without knowing how to protect and work in unity and accountability and submission with others, you are going to get isolated and you are going to fail. No matter how mature you think you are right now. Like you might be the best kid in this class. You're going to go and fail. Like it's just going to happen. Because it's not about one person. Ministry is a team sport, right? So ministry is like basketball. If you go out and you play basketball, you get out on the court, you're not going to just start scoring the ball and win. If when you get on the court, your objective is, anytime I touch this ball, I'm scoring. Your team is almost assuredly going to lose. It just is. Because you're not Michael Jordan. Because there are no Michael Jordans in Christianity. We're all a bunch of Steve Kerr's. We're just, you know, spot up. That makes no sense to anybody but Mitch and Brock. But we're all just a bunch of no-names. 
We're just a bunch of dudes. And what we have to do in order to be effective on a basketball team is the same as what we have to do to be effective in ministry. We have to go learn to pass the ball, to be selfless. We have to learn to go set a screen, which means you get in the way so that your teammate can get free of a defender. You've got to work together. You've got to go learn and, and be co- collaborated and cooperated, configurated, con- situated. Right? On the court. That chemistry will lead to success. Does that make sense? But how about another illustration? Ministry is a choir, not a solo. You, you and I, we are not each individually the bells of the ball. Like, what did you just say? <laughs> we collectively are the bell of the ball. Okay, It's a choir, not a solo. You have to learn to harmonize. You know what harmony is? It's when one person sings one part, and then the other person sings notes that are just above or just below at the same time, and it sounds really good. Does that make sense? You've got to learn to harmonize as the body of Christ. You've got to learn to adjust your volume and change dynamics together at the same time and in collaboration. In unison with the other parts. You know, in band, how many of you are band nerds? Any band nerds? All right. Claire? Claire right there. Any other band nerds? Band nerd? Okay, orchestra too. How many of you are in orchestra? How many of you are in choir? Can you put your hands up if you do music stuff? Music people, raise your hand. Okay, I don't know. Maybe you can tell me if this is the case. Does your uh, conductor... Do they tell you, or did they tell you early on, as you're sitting and playing, to use your ear on the right and on the left to do what? What are you supposed to be doing the whole time while you're playing? Listening. You're supposed to be listening. What are you listening? Why are you? Li- you're playing. Why are you listening? Now, because you have to listen to the people around you to adjust to what they're doing. And if you don't do that, you're playing and you just change the same time and everybody else is like Meanwhile, you're the squeaky duck. And everyone in the whole orchestra is like, gosh, like, can we do something about that? Like, Somebody tell Claire, what's she doing, right? The point is you have to learn to work together in order to be unified to have this bigger and better product. So here's your key point. Submit to the team. Now, this is part of the team. But where's, where is the team? Who is the team? The whole church. The whole church. The Hospitality ministry is a great place for you to plug in and be part of the team. Hospitality ministry. The cafe ministry. Great place for you to plug in and to to be part of the team. To work in conjunction. That's the word I was looking for. In conjunction with everybody else. Kid Town is a good place, but beware. Kid Town, you don't get to just... It's not a joke. I mean, like, it's not just sitting in there with a bunch of little kids. That's the most important ministry in our whole church. So, I mean, you've got to have some spiritual maturity to go in there. We're not letting just anybody in there. I mean, these are, those are the precious, most impressionable souls in our whole church. But if you're in that place where you can make a loving investment, great place to go plug in. Great place. Lots of teachers, a lot of fun, and a good, a good place to work with a couple other people in a classroom to serve other people, to teach other people. Submit to the team. Verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So he's giving us kind of how do you do this? How do you have this like-mindedness? How do you have the same love? How do you have one accord? How do you have one mind? Well, you do so by letting nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Okay, what is strife? Strife is contention. What does the Bible say about where contention comes from? Only by... Only by per, only by per, uh, 
per, uh, only by pride, only by, only by pride cometh contention. This fighting, this bumping of the heads, this friction, this, 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 this issue that only happens from pride. He says, don't let, let, don't let anything be done through this strife, through contention. Or vainglory. What's vainglory? Vainglory is like empty, vain, empty, pride. Empty pride. Will you receive this, please? In love, let me tell you something. This is painfully accurate to the stereotype about teenagers. Vainglory. Like, okay. I'll give you an example. There was a student named Nathan that I was a teacher of. And he walked into class every day, sat in his chair, put his feet up, slept. Got like a 27% or something. I mean, just a total idiot, okay? And he'd walk in, <sighs> puffed up, because he just came from weightlifting. And then, and then what I could begin to have conversation about was his weightlifting. Oh, what are you lifting? And he would tell me these numbers of the weights that he's lifting. And I was like, like, this is your major? Like, this is your, this is your thing? I don't think you have a thing, bro. Like, this is what you're, this is what you're proud about? But there's nothing there. Okay, that's what teenagers are just naturally. That's what, that's what all of us are when we're in that stage where it's like we think we've got something that's real valuable and so we, put, we stake our identity on it and we stake all of our value on it and then we crow about it and we talk about it. We're like, yeah, I'm really good and I'm an orchestra person or I'm a, I'm a swimmer, I'm a football player, I'm, a, I'm an academic, I'm an intellectual. Okay, don't get me wrong. But you and Casey, that's the best you can get accepted into? I mean, I'm just saying, like, you're an academic, you're an intellectual, and yet, Harvard's not calling you. I love you. I, I'm just saying, like, I, I'm sure all of you could get into Harvard, and I'm sure you're all super athletic, and you could all lift really heavy weights, and you're all just, like, the best at whatever it is that you do, but the reality is, that doesn't matter. But what we do naturally is we, we, we get puffed up about something. And the issue with that is... If Ethan's all puffed up about how he plays guitar, oh, but Jace plays the guitar, and then they're like, well, I can, and Jace is like, and then Ethan's like, and they go back and forth, and then what does that accomplish? A pretty good show for us. We're like, well, yeah, dude, cool. Nothing. Because now they're not ministering to us. Now they're competing. I mean, might be entertaining, but does nothing for the ministry. So what is it? What do you have vainglory about? Empty pride. He says, don't let anything be done through contention, through empty pride, through strife or vainglory. But here's what we do. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Lowliness of mind just means humility. Be humble. Empty your mind of yourself. Let it go. Well, then what's in there? Christ, man. Christ is in there. And what you'll find is that if Christ is in there, others are in there. Because that's what's in Christ's mind. What is, mind th what is Christ thinking about right now? He's thinking about it like the Bible says, has, what is it, like un innumerable are his thoughts toward us? I forget the, the, the adjective there, but he's just got all of these thoughts that he's thinking about us. And then, and then we look at our minds and we're like, yeah, I wonder if my armpits are sweating right now, if they can see it. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to do after church today. I wonder what the person behind me thinks. I hope my butt crack's not showing. Oh, man. I mean, which is so, like, it's so easy to just have all these thoughts, everything that's in there, be us. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than, than, than themselves. Esteem just means to think, right? To look at other people as, as better 
as better than yourself. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But let's be specific about some things that we should be particular about. Okay, strife and vainglory has no place in ministry. Of course, there's no place for your ego in the ministry. If you roll up and you think it's about you, you're wrong. It's not. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. It's about edifying the body. Right? Get over yourself. But here's an, here's an even more obvious one. You ready? You're not going to like this. Sorry, guys. Here it comes. Here comes the dagger. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, including honoring your father and your mother. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this. Your direct application is this. Honor your father and your mother. Honor them. Esteem them higher than yourself. Esteem them better than yourself. Esteem them more important than yourself when they tell you to do well in school. They tell you do well in school. What is our natural response? To not do well in school. Why? Because we're rebellious fools. Because we're just dummies, right? I don't believe all that anyone in this room is stupid not at all i mean we talk about it like i'm probably i'm probably the most self-deprecating me or mitch probably we'll put ourselves down jokingly you know there's not a there's not a dumb person in this room i mean we tease isaac But Isaac's not dumb. You're not dumb. You say that because that's a good excuse not to have to submit. If I'm dumb, well, when mom says do well in school, well, I can't. I can't get A's and B's because I'm dumb. So I have to get D's and F's. Okay. You're actually just being defiant. I mean, that's the reality. And I'm not talking about Isaac. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about us. Honor your father and your mother when they, when they tell you to do well in school. Honor your father and your mother when they tell you to do chores. Got more bad news. You won't outgrow the feeling that chores are lame. I still think chores are lame. Nobody, like, nobody likes chores. Not even your parents. What? We're like, they love this. Why do they make me do it? I don't love it. They love it. You do it. If you want it done so bad, why don't you do it? They don't want to do it. They need some help. You bum. Like, come on. Take the trash out. Honor your father and your mother when they tell you to do chores. Honor your father and mother when they give you a curfew. A curfew that's earlier than you want it to be. What if... What if we just trusted our parents that when they gave us instructions that it actually was better for us? Like, because what's the initial thought? Hey, by 9.30. The initial thought is, that's too early. Second thought is, all of my other friends don't have to be home by 9.30. Third thought is, what am I going to do at 9.30? Well, all my friends are out doing their thing. But what if, hold on, what if, this is hard, what if your parents are giving those instructions not in vain glory? Not just because they want to make arbitrary rules, but because there's a reason why. I'm not even going to tell you the reason. But what if you just trusted them? What if you just honored them and said, okay, what if you just said, okay, mom? Whoa. That's groundbreaking right there. If you can learn that phrase, Okay, mom, or even better, you want to level up? You want to to immediately improve your relationship with your parents that I know goes through tension because you're teenagers. That's how it is. You want to immediately improve your relationship with your mom or your dad? Pick the one you get along with least because I know there's one. What if you started saying, yes, sir? Yes, ma'am. They'd be like, knock it off. What are you, quit that. Quit being a smart aleck. And you'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> but what if you, in, in sincerity and in humility, you say, yes, sir. Yes, dad. Yes, mom. Just saying. 
Honor your father and your mother when they give you curfew. Honor your father and your mother when they set boundaries that you feel restrict your independence. When they limit your car use, when they limit your phone use, when they limit your uh, finances, when they limit your whatever. Why don't you honor your father and your mother when they, when they limit you, when they make your life feel inconvenient or difficult or hard? If you can learn those lessons, you'll go to Kaya and you'll be fruitful. If you're obstinate against your parents, if you're defiant, if you're just a, like, a little jerk, if you're just a little brat, you're going to go to Kaya and, and not be fruitful. You'll go to Kaya and guess what you'll be? A little jerk or a little brat with more independence. So you can, you can wield that stuff a little better. So you can be annoying to more people. So you can get into more trouble. So here's your key points. First, key point, submission to authority and honoring your parents requires great humility. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to be humble. It's going to require you to, to die to yourself. If you're going to do it, it's going to require great humility. You know what's really hard? Being humble. But your next key point is be humble. Submit to the authority. Let me help you make the decision. Just do it. Guys, come on. Just do it. Just submit. Just obey. Just fall in line. Just honor your father and your mother. Just esteem them better. Because if you can do that with them, then you can do that with anybody in this room. If you can't do it with them, you're going to choose who you do that with in this room. And if you choose who you honor and who you dishonor, you're being a respecter of persons. And if you're being a respecter of persons, you're only going to choose to interact with and love on the people that you want to. And now who is ruling and running your ministry? You are. Now who's running, who's leading your outreach? Now who's running your edification of the body? You are. So stop. Submit to your parents first. Then submit to the team and the ministry here. And then watch your, watch your attitude change and watch yourself grow. And it's hard at first, but as soon as you do it, as soon as you decide, I am going to be resolved to submit and to humble myself before my parents and before the team, you will notice that two weeks in, Right? You're taking those two weeks, you're studying the Bible, you're getting some tools, you're journaling, you're reading, and you're going to do it. You've got a routine. And you're going to do the same. I'm going to submit to my mom and my dad through this two weeks. And it's going to be routine. And I might not feel it. I might not feel like it. I might not like it. But I'm going to do it. Two weeks in, you'll be like, wow. My mom's not mad at me. My dad's not mad at me. Hmm... They're leaving me alone. Wow. Now you might still have, you should still have the same restrictions, same rules, same boundaries, same structures. But hopefully after a few weeks, maybe after a few months, you realize that's actually what's, what's best for you. Rather than being self-serving, okay? Rather than being self-centered. Rather than being selfish. Be a servant to those over you. And those around you. Have you tried that? It's wonderful. Serving the people over you? Serving the people around you? I really enjoy when I get to buy dinner for my parents. Kind of weird. I really enjoy it. Because, I, I mean, do you understand why? Like, they gave me food... And they still, whenever we eat together, they are the ones who provide and they're the ones, they're the ones who prepare it. I mean, they're the ones who are supplying all the food. Anytime I go to Mitch and Rhonda's house, they are supplying the food. If they come to our house, they're bringing the food. I mean, it's like, I just want to give them some food. Like, why? I want to serve them. Why? Because they've given so much. They've given so much. My parents have spent years and years, days, like every day. I don't know about you, but I eat like twice a day. And I ate like two or three times a day for like 21 years in my parents' home. You know how much food that is? I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of pounds of food. So when I get to take them out and say, I'll, I'll pay for this, it feels good. 
It's like, yes, got them. Like, now they owe me again. <laughs> no, it just it feels good to be able to serve them. Why does that feel good? Well, because that's the precedent that Jesus set out. What did Jesus do? It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. God came to earth, and He didn't come to earth for, for the people to serve Him. That's not why He came. Why did He come? But to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. He showed up as a servant. That's, how, that's, what we, that's the, that is the route of blessing. That makes sense? That's the route. Be a servant. Verse 4, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't just look at your, your own things, but look on the things of others. So as we look at, you know, as we look at tomorrow, as we look at next year, as we look at the future, where we hope to be used by God for like great and wonderful things. Hey, let, put, this in your, put this in your mind. Trust God that you'll be able to win some, somebody to Christ. Why not? I, I'm going to win somebody to Christ before I die. Hopefully it's like more than one. But I'm going to win one more person to Christ. I've got a few names that I would love for that to be. I want you to do the same. I'm going to lead someone to Christ. And as you look forward to that, to that happening, to God using you and making you fruitful, let's review. Get to know one another. Learn the Word together. Serve together. Speak truth to one another. Pray together. Sing praise together. Submit to the team. Submit to the team, the whole church. Submit. Buy in. Build chemistry. Get to work. Jump in. The water's warm. Number two, humble yourselves before the authorities God has placed in your life. Humble yourselves before your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Make yourself low and make them high. Take your eyes off of yourself and look up to the Lord and look out to those He puts in your life to be a blessing to. Submit to the team. Submit to the authorities. And and lastly here, as you look at the things that others have going on, when you get your eyes off yourself, you're going to see that people are going through some stuff. A a guy who graduated last year, I talked to him Friday. He said, man, I realized, like... You just never know what people are going through. He's got a friend who's going through like an awful situation. He's like, I had no idea. Until I finally like took some time and listened and, and gave a care. And now he's realizing this person is going through something really hard. And that's what will happen if you can look out. Take some time and listen. And as you see what others have going on, support them. Come alongside them. Serve them. Meet them where they're at. Enter into their struggle with them in a healthy way. Right? Set boundaries. If they're addicted to heroin, you probably need Mitch to help you minister to them. And it probably doesn't mean you're like, well, all things all people, so i got to go hang out with them. Oh, we're doing heroin? Okay. It's for, for the Lord. That's probably a bad idea. But what if they got something that's kind of serious going on? What if they got some, some real struggles? What if they're smoking pot? What if they're smoking pot? What do you do? My guess is you don't actually know what the right answer is. What if they're smoking pot? What do you do? Here's what you do. Figure out what you're supposed to do. Ask somebody who knows better than you. And if you think you, ju- you just know, ask somebody who you think might know as well and make sure you know. And come alongside them. Help. Minister. Right? If you're spiritual, help recover them. Help bear their burdens practically and most importantly through prayer. I pray for people. If you're not praying for, for people, what are you praying for? Like if you're not praying for people, what are you praying for? What else is there? I mean, really. Maybe you got some good answers, but as I'm thinking about it now, I'm, I'm drawing blanks. Okay, if I'm not praying for souls, what am I praying for?
Like, I'm talking people that matter to me, my children. I pray for my children. I pray for my wife. And I pray for the students. And I pray for, you know, family. And I pray for this. And I pray for that. But it all re- resolves to people around people. So if you're not praying for people, what are you praying for? Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness. Restore him if you're spiritual. But considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Don't go in Rambo style all by yourself thinking you're going to go help somebody because you've been through it, because you know this thing or that thing. Man, forget about that. Bring, bring somebody with you and go minister to that person who's lost. Go minister to the person who rolls up once a month and when they show up, they don't really pay attention. They don't really listen. Go win that guy. Please, go win him. Go win her. When that person rolls through this classroom, like look around, everybody look around right now. You see the people, and most of the people in here are the people who are here almost every week, with some exceptions. Okay, the exceptions that are in here, go win that person. And then the people who you know will come in once in a while, go win that person. They might be doing fine, but they might not. You don't know, so go ask. Right? Go find out. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, so this morning, let's conclude. If you want to be someone who God uses mightily for His glory and your benefit, you will benefit from that for God using you for His glory. If you want that, decide today, right now. Wake up and listen. Decide right now that you will be, you will be humble. You're going to humble yourself and you will buy into the unity and the service of the body of Christ. I'm going to buy in. I want that. I'm going to take that for myself, but I'm going to purchase it. And it won't be cheap. It's not going to be cheap to have unity and to serve. It's going to cost you. You will sacrifice something for that, to be part of that, to do that. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you convenience. It's going to cost you your comfort, your social comfort. It's going to cost you your reputation, your standing among the people in this room and among the people in your school and stuff. It's probably going to cost you some heartache. Ministry is the best thing. Ministry is also the worst thing. Are you kidding me? Think about it. Your life's fine. Things are okay. But this brother or sister, they're really going through it. Their life sucks. They're going through a really hard time. If I'm here by myself, this is where you're all standing right now. I can look at that. Nope. Nope. God, I'll just... You and me, Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He reigns. Keep doing your thing. Yeah, okay. But if you will look at that person who's the crap is beaten out of them emotionally and spiritually. They don't have parents like maybe you have. They don't have support and love like maybe you have. They don't have access to the grace and to the wisdom. Mitch and I were talking about this. They don't have people leading and guiding them in godliness and in the Word. They don't have people who have trained them since they were little to teach them how to make decisions. They don't know how to decide things. They're just wandering and flailing, and you can see it. You watch them when they're here. They're flailing. They're wandering around because they don't know how. It's not because they're stupid. Don't be proud and think that people who are off, people who don't behave correctly like the church kids do, don't just assume that they're heathen or that they're, they're an unintelligent. It's because they don't have the same amount of coaching and love and correction that you had. So why don't you look at that person and be broken hearted? Let that move you to prayer and to tears. Get over yourself. Oh, that's so gross. That's so pharisaical to look at that and, and think, well, I've got it going better than that, so I'm just not even going to... No, get in there. Grab onto them. Make it awkward. Say, hey, I'm praying for you. Don't know you. This might make you feel uncomfortable. This might run you off. It might run you off, but you know what? I would rather try 
to win your soul than let you go through the motions. And because here's the reality, when senior year hits, when senior year is over, they are gone. You understand? They're gone. They're not going anywhere. Here. They're going anywhere but here. Why? You know what they'll say? Nobody cares. And you know what? They're right. They're right. Why would they stay? What have they experienced for the last seven years? Sitting through a service, hearing Jeff yell at them, and no other student saying, hey, this is awkward, but I want to pray with you and for you. Let's do it. It'll cost you. It'll be awkward. But I promise, because I see it in Scripture, that it's worth it. It's worth it. You should do it. I'm talking to you, you boys right there. You, you, you five. I'm talking to, to you girls. I'm talking to you. Do it. It's so good. But you got to decide. The decision's up to you. It's up to you. So you can do it. I'm going to pray for us. You can do it in between this service and next service. You can get the guts to go be spiritual with somebody. That might be weird. But it's awesome. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for...